Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. This evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 18 verse 20 through to 19 verse 10. So, Revelation 18 verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heavens. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. The merchants were the world's great men. You, your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and the saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has conquered the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! And the smoke from her goes up, forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you servants who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are living, uh, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, there are, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, shall we pray together just before we look at these verses. Our Father, we do thank you for the fact that we have your word and that we can quite freely look at it and read it. And as we do, we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to what you would have us understand as we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, 
Revelation 18:20 through to 19 verse 10. Now, we've already seen that not all the events that John sees in his visions are in chronological order. The events in chapter 17 and 18 do not follow immediately on from chapter 16. They are a description of what we read in chapter 16, but this time they're viewed from another angle. The things that will happen in our day then in chapter 18, John will be given a description of what will happen on the final day of judgment. So Revelation 17 verse 1 to 3, we saw the fall of Babylon being predicted. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. Then in chapter 18, we see the fulfillment of this. Now, last week we looked at verse 1 and 3 of chapter 18. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Verse 4 through to 8. Before the judgment, God's people are called to separate from her, that is, from Babylon. And then in verse 9 through to 19, we heard the lament of those who belonged to Babylon. These passages of the fall of Babylon the Great allude to what we find in the words of the Old Testament. We can go to the prophets. If we go to Jeremiah and read Jeremiah chapter 25, we see God's judgment on Jerusalem and we can see the similarity between what we're seeing here in Revelation. But also we see the same thing in Ezekiel 26 where it's this time God's judgment on Tyre. And again we can see the similarities. But here in our passage for this evening, notice how the call for God's people to separate from what we call worldliness is confirmation that the one who sits on many nations with a desire to make war against the Lamb is with us today. You see, it's not just what happened in the past or something that is waiting to happen in the future. It is here and now. But their time is short and the end will come and justice will be done. So let's go to Revelation 18 verse 20 through 24 and here we have a call to rejoice. Now, once the judgment is complete, the faithful are called to rejoice. Now, this is the second of two commands that God has given to his people in these verses. The first being, before we heard about Babylon's judgment, then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people. We see that in verse 4 of chapter 18. The second call here is in verse 20. This is a call to the faithful for them to rejoice. So we have two commands given to God's people. One to be carried out now before the final judgment. The other is to join in a heavenly response to praise and to do this with God's people after the judgment. So verse 20 that we read this evening. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets. For God has judged her 
with the judgment she imposed on you. So in this verse here, all are called to rejoice. Who are the all? The apostles, the prophets. This is the church. This is the true church of Israel who can rejoice because God is true to his word. Now we return to a further description of the judgment given to us here in these following verses. So verse 21, And a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With this, with such violence, the great city Babylon will be thrown down and never to be found again. Then verse 22, The music of the harpists and the musicians, the pipers, the trumpeters, will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The text goes on. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people, and by your magic spell all the nations were led astray. And in verse 24, in her was found the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. You see, this is a final condemnation of Babylon the Great. You see, the light has been removed. The gospel will no longer be there. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. But the one who is the bridegroom, is now for them the voice of judgment. This is Jesus. This time it's not salvation, but he brings judgment. So we go to Revelation 19 and verse 1 to 4. And I want us just to consider these things for a moment. And see here we have a contrast. The contrast is one of many that we have between the woman who is referred to as Babylon, who is the opposer of the church, and the woman who we read about in Revelation 12, who is the representative of the church. And we see that Babylon led her followers by deception into destruction. The church is led by truth into everlasting life. So let's look at these verses in chapter 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He's condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He is avenged. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne as they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. In these verses, we see 
a relationship between what we've already read in Revelation 11, verse 15 through to 19. It would be good to just turn those verses up and have a read through them. Revelation 11, 15 to 19, where we have the sound of the seventh trumpet leading up to the consummation of world history. A few questions from those verses we've just read. It's about praising God. You might ask, why praise God? And the answer is, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. So who is it who is praising God? Well, praise our God, all you, his servants. That is inclusive. That is all of us. We read that in those verses. And we've come across this word, hallelujah. What does hallelujah mean? It means, let us praise Yahweh. That is the true God. Praise God. Let us praise Yahweh. The true God, the only one who is worthy of our praise, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the one who is the great I Am. This praise to God is more than thanking him for our daily provision. It goes beyond that. The praise is for who he is. When I was going through this, I, I thought of the words of that uh, short hymn. It's by Mark S. Kinzer. I'll just quote those words to you now. You will know them well. And these are those words. Worthy, or oh, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy to be thanked and praised and worshipped and adored. Worthy, or oh, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy to be thanked and praised and worshipped and adored. Singing, Hallelujah, Lamb upon the throne. We worship and adore you. Make your glory known. Hallelujah. Glory to the King. You're more than a conqueror. You're Lord of everything. You see, the rejoicing is not only because justice has been done, but it's because God is worthy of our worship. And also in these verses, it brings with it the introduction to the arrival of the bridegroom. Now we see this in the following verses, verses 6 through to 7, where we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Notice here we have the inspiration for some of the many hymns that we sing. Like Our God Reigns or this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in him. You know, this shouldn't only thrill us today, but it's also thrilled the writers of the past. We can go into the Old Testament and we can read in Psalm 118, verse 22 and 24. 
the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And then in Matthew, Matthew in his gospel in chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, he wrote these words. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is something that the psalmist and the people of the Old Testament have looked forward to, that the gospel writers, that the apostles look forward to. What is this? The wedding supper of the Lamb. And here we have it introduced to us. And when we come to verse 8 and 9 of this passage, we're looking at righteousness. We read, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You know, when we think of righteousness and righteous acts and the things that we do, our righteous acts do not save us. They do not save us. But we have God's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus means that God declares us as being righteous in his sight. We go to Romans 2 verse 13, for it's not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. That word obey the law for us means to obey Obey the words of Jesus when he says, come to me as a guilty sinner. And when we come in obedience and accept that salvation that he gives, then God sees us as being righteous. So we're not made righteous by our acts, but we are to be righteous in the things that we do. Let me repeat that. We're not made righteous by our acts, but we are to be righteous in the things that we do if we claim Jesus as our saviour. Now, while on earth we don't always live up to this, but here's a thought. One day we will be without sin and then we will be righteous at all times. This is the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're told that the bride to prepare herself. Now, the this preparation speaks of a responsibility that we have. It's a little bit like if you think of a wedding, what happens is the bride prepares her way in the way that she prepares herself to meet the bridegroom. And in doing that, she has many people with her who will help and encourage her. Now, I don't know this, but you ladies who've been married on the day of your wedding, I'm sure you were there when you had people to help you to prepare to meet the groom. 
So this is what we do while we're preparing for that wedding. We, with our acts, prepare ourselves for this day. And we have those who can help us, our brothers and our sisters. But the actual righteousness that we have is given to us by God. And also in these verses that we read in chapter 19, an invitation is given, an invitation given to everyone who comes to God through the power of the cross. And we could well on this, and uh, I trust that you will read through these words and, and think about them. But if we move on for this evening in our, our chapter, when we come to verse 10 of chapter 19, we see John's reaction. Now, we might pass over this and not really think about it, but this is very important to us. This verse 10, this is what John says. At this, remember, he's listening to the angel speaking. And he said, at this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. You see, John makes a mistake and he is rebuked with what sounds like harsh words. Don't do that. What was his mistake? He began to worship the messenger. What should he have done? He should have worshipped God. Now the lesson here for John, and for us, and for God's church, is to worship anything other than the one who is God, is idolatry. So if we worship anything or anyone other than God, in God's eyes, this is idolatry. Now, even for the believer, this is an easy trap to fall into. Let me read a few verses from what we've already heard about the churches, the seven churches. Revelation two fourteen to 15, the church of Pergamon. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. You see, the church here at Pegaman is being rebuked for worshipping anything or anyone other than God. And also in Revelation 2, verse 20, 21, the church at Thyatira, they too are rebuked. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. And the eating of food sacrificed to idols, I have given her time to repent of her immorality. But she is unwilling. You see, these are some of the mistakes that the churches were doing and the churches do today and that we must be aware of it is god and god's word and it's god who we worship remember the words of jesus when he was tested in the wilderness by the devil jesus answered it is written worship the lord your god and serve him only we read that in luke chapter 4 
Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 is the conclusion of what we um, have been looking at. But just go back a step, as I mentioned about the mistake that John made. John's first reaction was to worship the angel. And you know, John will make that same mistake again. Because that's how easy it is to be drawn into that trap. We'll read that in Revelation 22, verse 8. But again, back to this evening. Revelation 19, verse 10, is the conclusion of Revelation 7, verse 1. We read at the beginning of this little section that we've been looking at in Revelation 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. That's what we've been seeing in this passage. But this passage goes on. And in order to complete this section, we're going to look at the, the judgment of the beast and the false prophet and the kings of the earth. Now, we'll wait till next time. And we'll start that in Revelation 19 and uh, verse 11. So, for this evening, let's just pray together. Our Father, we just thank you for this time we spent around your word, and we ask your blessing upon us now that we might consider these things and that we might take them to heart and that we might use them, but also that we might recognize that you are the one who is worthy of our praise. And we pray that you'll protect us, protect us from making other things that come into our lives as idols, in other words, things that we worship and follow instead of worshipping and following you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.